Welcome to the Economic Development Matters Podcast. I'm Brianna Morris, and together with my co-host Sherry Baslama, we talk about matters related to economic development and why it matters. Sherry and I work together at Edmonton Global, where we focus on attracting investment into the Edmonton region and helping our local companies expand internationally. On this podcast, we discuss how we can compete globally and build a sustainable and prosperous economy to enhance the lives of the people in our communities. Our guest today is Dr. Stan Blade, Dean of the Faculty of Agriculture, Life and Environmental Sciences at the University of Alberta. He is a full professor in the Faculty's Department of Agriculture, Food and Nutritional Science. Stan is also on Edmonton Global's Board of Directors. Welcome, Stan. Thanks for being here. Good morning. It's a great pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to have this conversation with you. Um, can we start by maybe you sharing a bit of your personal background and what led you to the field of agriculture? Yes, I would be happy to do so. Uh, um, I guess this will show my uh, my lazy nature. Uh, I actually grew up on a farm, a family farm that we still own about 50 kilometers south of Edmonton. Uh, the bad news is that that was a dairy farm. Uh, and, uh, you know, especially for a teenager, having to get up at five o'clock every morning to milk cows was highly unattractive. Uh, <laughs> so that would explain why uh, I actually got involved and did my PhD work in plant breeding because crops were a little uh, easier to get along with and probably uh, I could uh, engage at a timing of my own choosing. Um, yeah, so grew up on a family farm. Uh, really, the change point for me came when undergraduate work here in the Faculty of Science at the University of Alberta uh, went and did a volunteer teaching stint in West Africa in the country of Cameroon. Uh, traveled around Africa during those uh, two or three years. Uh, just got really interested in in all of the, the remarkable things that were going on in Africa. Decided that I would like to spend a longer period of time uh, in uh, in development, and really agriculture seemed to be the right fit. So I came back, did a master's degree at the University of Saskatchewan in plant breeding, uh, and then just had the ridiculous good fortune at that time, uh, the Canadian International Development Agency, uh, sort of the precursor of Global Affairs Canada, put out a scholarship where you could do your research uh, in one of the Green Revolution Centers. So in this case, it was something called the National Institute of Tropical Agriculture based in Nigeria. Um, and I did my PhD work there. So across uh, Nigeria, which has all kinds of interesting uh, ecological zones, right from the humid forest all the way up to uh, Sahel Savannah, almost desert uh, um, uh, ecologies for agriculture. Uh, finished off that PhD uh, uh, at McGill uh, and then uh, went back to IITA. And in fact, I've been there as a, a research scientist uh, uh, and also as a deputy director general of research uh, where uh, IITA works across 25 or 30 countries uh, in West Africa. Uh, as mentioned, I've spent almost 10 years in Africa. Uh, but one always gets uh, uh, brought back to, uh, to Canada and to Alberta. So uh, at some stage, I, I, we did come back as a family to Alberta. Uh, I was first uh, here as a, again as a research scientist, uh, um, uh, then in leadership roles within the ministry, uh, and eventually that led to being the CEO of one of the Alberta Innovates corporations uh, uh, until I was recruited to be dean uh, um, uh, almost uh, eight and a half years ago. So, um, you know, very much not the traditional academic pathway, very involved in international agricultural development, which I still am, and uh, uh, just very interested in how science partnerships, uh, egg and food, how they all fit together. Wow. Uh, what is plant breeding exactly? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, 
you know, we uh, within the agricultural sector have been doing this for 10,000 years when women were going uh, across uh, uh, the uh, between the Tigris and the Euphrates uh, rivers uh, 10,000 years ago. And they were uh, picking out those strongest, uh, largest heads of wheat. Uh, uh, they were selecting for the kinds of traits that they were interested in. Um, and that leads up to the present day where we have all kinds of interesting techniques to develop uh, new cultivars, new varieties of, uh, of particular crops in this case uh, that have the characteristics that we want, higher yield, uh, higher nutri nutritional content, uh, uh, maybe resistance to, to insects or to diseases. Um, my personal hero, Norman Borlaug, <clears throat> who won the Nobel Peace Prize uh, for his work in, in really eliminating starvation because of the work that he did, uh, was a plant breeder um, who developed some of these new interesting uh, uh, wheat uh, varieties that really just changed the way that uh, agricultural production uh, has happened around the world. So uh, plant breeding is sort of a key element that brings together uh, genetics and the very practical issues that farmers face when they're trying to grow these crops. That's super interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about the University of Alberta's Faculty of Agriculture? I know that um, new rankings just came out recently about the university too, so maybe if you want to touch on some of that. Yes, well, I'd love to. In fact, I would be shocked I would be uh, if you did not ask me because I probably would have horned it in anyway. Uh, we have a <laughs> remarkable faculty. Uh, you know, it covers... Uh, those important elements within the egg and food system and uh, the people that we have, the work that we do, um, it connects agriculture to food, to nutrition, to human health. Um, but we do that on a platform of research in water and soils and biodiversity. Uh, our faculty has uh, this year, I think, almost 1,800 undergraduate students, uh, just about 600 graduate students, which is uh, uh, a significant number higher than our peer institutions when uh, you look at the ratio of graduate students to uh, to undergrads. We consistently uh, receive somewhere between 45 and, and, and $50 million a year of external funding from our industry partners and others to do the research work uh, that clearly they feel um, is crucial for their uh, uh, current and, and future success, whether uh, economic or, or uh, sustainability and resilience. Uh, we have the good fortune of having a significant uh, uh, amount of infrastructure to support this work in agriculture and food. Uh, the faculty has almost 10,000 hectares of, of uh, research farms and ranches, um, and then a significant uh, uh, number of, of research labs and other facilities right here in Edmonton, either on uh, our north campus or south campus uh, that people might be familiar with, uh, uh, where they see the, the university farm. Um, and uh, that work continues, uh, certainly in the egg and food space. But I would uh, I need to mention, you know, we also have the only uh, forestry program in the province and uh, our environmental sciences group is uh, superb in uh, all of the landscape management and uh, the other issues that are facing uh, Alberta when it comes to things like land reclamation from the energy industry and uh, a number of these other aspects as well. One of our new colleagues, uh, Kristen Aspinus at Edmonton Global, I'm pretty sure she just graduated recently from um, your faculty and really enjoyed the program. Yeah, uh, uh, we, we had a little bit of a chat, uh, uh, you know, a little bit outside of egg and food, but uh, we also have uh, the human ecology group that I think Kristen is, a, is, a, is an alumna. That's right. Uh, and, uh, you know, so many cool things happening there as well. Uh, uh, 
Patricia Dole just uh, hosted an international virtual conference uh, uh, on textiles, and especially textiles for use in uh, industrial applications, military applications, uh, uh, using a whole array of, uh, of natural fibers. So uh, maybe I need to expand that spectrum beyond ag, food, nutrition, health, uh, uh, to all these other uh, remarkable things that we can use from uh, natural products. Wow. Um, so the students enrolling in this program, are, are m- like many of them coming from like family farms or rural areas, or is it attracting like true urbanites as well? Yeah, new, new blood, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, perhaps not surprising, 20 years ago, what you uh, suggested was absolutely true. Today, we have seen a complete uh, inversion on the kinds of students that we are attracting. Over 60% of our students now come from urban environments. Um, in some of our programs within the faculty, we have over 75% women, uh, whereas 20 years ago, uh, that was very much not the case. So we're seeing a great deal of diversity in where our students are coming from um, in the gender balance uh, of the, the programs uh, that we are offering. Uh, and uh, even when it comes to international students, of those 600 uh, graduate students that I referenced, over 300 of them are from outside of Canada. Uh, and I think all of the students uh, that are, are interested and attracted to our programs, um, it's because we're just right in that spot. Uh, whether it is around food security or environmental sustainability, um, you know, all of the big issues of, of, of mm-hmm. climate change, of, of access to food, um, all of these things align with people's personal interests, their personal values. Uh, and I think that's the reason why we see such interest in our programs. Yeah. And what about recent initiatives or projects? You've touched on a couple of them. Are there any others that you're particularly excited about? Well, uh, you know, this is like children and parents excited about them all. Uh, You know, we cover a a wide swathe of activity. Uh, Maybe I would just pick out a few just to give uh, listeners a a, a sense of the diversity of the the work that we do. Uh, We recently announced an Institute for Cellular Agriculture. Yes, that's Uh, exciting. And, you know, you can imagine here we are in in Alberta where um, our faculty is also very involved in uh, you know, hardcore uh, livestock uh, genomic projects where we're trying to uh, find the traits where we can reduce methane uh, emissions from cattle or to make them more feed efficient. Um, and yet we also, because of the interests of companies in the area and because of the uh, uh, the interest of potential investors as well in this space, to start thinking about how could you use microorganisms to produce uh, protein, uh, uh, and, and other products uh, that are of interest to particular categories of the population. So, yeah, everything from cellular ag uh, to the genomics work that I've referenced, uh, we're very involved in, the, as I've mentioned, the reason why the industry invests in us, looking at ways how we can uh, reduce costs uh, to to farmers, to producers, uh, in, in things like managing club root, which is a major disease of canola, which has a, a had a real potential to to disrupt a twenty billion dollar industry. Um, so lots of work going on in that space, and then even into the food side, um, being able to uh, either uh, use things like. Uh, protein to, to micro package flavors and that sort of thing. The, the work of Ling Wen Chen, one of our, uh, of our researchers, uh, people involved in food safety, 
Um, we have a great group that's invo- that's uh, very active in something called supercritical extraction, where you can take uh, high value molecules out of agricultural products uh, and use them in the cosmetics industry and in the food flavoring industry, those sorts of things. So we have a. Uh, uh, just a, a wide array of important uh, and high impact research, uh, but maybe I'll just pick out one uh, one of our ranches, a twelve thousand acre ranch, uh, just uh, to the east of Edmonton, about an hour and a half at Kinsella. Uh, we're working with a Norwegian company where um, they have a product that is a little tag that's placed in the ear of a of a beef animal, and we have about a fifteen hundred beef uh, cattle herd at Kinsella. Uh, so those little uh, tags are, are are clipped into the ear of the animal, uh, and then what happens, as you've seen when you drive down the road, generally there are fences that keep animals in a uh, particular location. Uh, what you do is just to go on to a virtual map, you can draw any kind of a polygon, and as that virtual um, uh, fence is uh, is uh, is uh, incorporated into the the, the ranch. Those animals will move towards that virtual fence line. Uh, there will be some beeping that will come, and then if they get too close, there will actually be an electrical stimulus. Uh, but it's a remarkable to see 150 or 200 animals starting to move towards this virtual line in a ranch, uh, in a large ranch that has no other distinguishing characteristics of fence lines or fence posts, and they will just all stop along that line. So, um, super you know, we're doing very basic research right to those very practical things that uh, uh, ranchers will be able to, to, to bring onto their own operations uh, uh, in a very short period of time. So is that like a way to kind of replace herding the animals? Or I'm yeah, thinking exactly. of an application maybe where there was a natural disaster like a fire where you had to move animals away is are those the kind of applications you would precisely use precisely right uh, and uh, uh, you know so still being refined but the uh, it's uh, 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 the next step is likely to be so there's also a GPS locator there um, what could happen is that you could actually have uh, a, a monitor for the uh, internal temperature of the animal uh, usually what happens when an animal is ill, that, that temperature will fluctuate uh, with a, a GPS locator. You could actually fly a drone to that animal, say it's in the foothills of, uh, of Alberta. Instead of having a pen rider or someone go out and try to find this animal, you could actually have a drone fly out, immediately locate that animal, have a visual look at what's happening and understanding whether or not there really is some element of distress and then be able to have the information to make that next management decision. So, uh, you know, these things that people perhaps think are five or 10 years away, um, we're testing them now uh, for application on ranches uh, in, uh, in Alberta and beyond. Super exciting. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So you're doing a lot of fascinating research, but it's also then getting commercialized and you're working directly with companies. That's really cool. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we've really uh, benefited from. You know, clearly Alberta has this remarkable agricultural history. Uh, when I first became dean, someone was kind enough to send me the 1915 annual report from the Ministry of Agriculture. And, you know, yields of, uh, of wheat were like, you know, 12 bushels, where now they are 60 back to the uh, remarkable work of plant breeders uh, and other researchers to, to increase these yields. Um yeah, we've certainly seen that. Uh, and obviously, when I think about, and I've had been very privileged, certainly within Edmonton Global, but with uh, some of the other um, uh, invitations that I've received from, from from government and from companies on thinking, 
how we actually grow this space. Um, so many of the companies that we work with, uh, that innovation portfolio, that idea of getting access to researchers uh, to start thinking about the next set of products or maybe to refine the products that people do have, um, that's maybe the good fortune of, uh, of the work that we do within agriculture and food. There's a real openness to thinking about innovation. And, uh, uh, you know, right from producers who take uh, part of their profit and put it into uh, commissions and associations that reinvest in research uh, all the way through to public and privately held companies. Uh, people have seen the benefit in investing in innovation of, uh, of working with the research community. And um, uh, I think it has just been a very virtuous cycle. A lot of good things have come out of those relationships. That would be very neat to see yeah, how far we've come since 1915. So Edmonton Global, um, we've re really been pushing on the value-added agriculture front because we also still export a lot of our agricultural products as, as raw products. Um, so you mentioned, um, yeah, the innovation kind of angle. Um, we also just had in Alberta the agri uh, agri-processing tax credit introduced. Yes. Do you have any other, I guess, ideas of what maybe the provincial government or you know Edmonton Global can do to really uh, promote more investment in value-added mm. agriculture or, or is it agri-tech or like what, what should we do? What should we be doing? Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, I think that clearly that's a, a big question. I, I'm always left with this and, and I have been part of this. So, uh, I, you know, I, I take a, a portion of the blame. It seems like we, uh, within Alberta, we haven't necessarily been intentional in the approach that we take. So, um, you know, where did we start this conversation? It was about our students and, and people. Uh, you know, how do we bring uh, people, either train them, develop them, invest in them here in the province in their, uh, you know, early in their career or attract people from other parts uh, uh, of the world? I mean, we're always very concerned in the agri-food sector uh, about making sure that we have people right from production lines all the way through to the C-suite to have those individuals. Um and I just think about all the ingredients that we have here in the in the greater Edmonton region. Um, you know, we have uh, remarkable people. We have great companies. Uh, certainly the work that I've described at the, within our faculty and at the University of Alberta and all of our partners, uh, post-secondaries that, that touch the agri-food space. Uh, we have the Leduc Food Processing Center. Um, uh, we have a, a, a governments, both at the provincial and federal level, that seem to speak a lot about agri-food as a key um, engine of economic growth. So uh, forgive me for the lame metaphor, but the ingredients all seem to be there. The recipe, not necessarily as clear. Um, you know, we had one moment in time in 2017, uh, the federal finance minister invited a, a roundtable to come together that happened to be led by uh, the managing partner of McKinsey, uh, Dominic Barton. Uh, and the request to that roundtable was, tell us how we can grow the GDP of Canada. And um, and if you talk to Dominic Martin now, uh, at this stage, I, I actually know him quite well, that agriculture and food was the furthest from their mind. I mean, the, these were people that were coming from all sectors from, uh, from around the world, but as Canadians, were trying to think about economic growth. So what was their first report? It was about agriculture and food from that 2017 Barton report that Canada should be the trusted global leader in safe, nutritious, and sustainable food for the 21st century. 
And that just seemed to coalesce the agri-food sector in Canada, or at least the, 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 the groups and individuals that I worked with, because it actually set a target. It talked about the fact that uh, at that stage, 2017, our agri-food exports were about $56 billion, and they set this ridiculous target of $75 billion, uh, I think, to be achieved closer to 2030. So the egg community loved that. It actually showed and, and showed recognition of the tremendous potential within uh, agri-food across Canada, but clearly this uh, uh, relates directly to Alberta. Well, fast forward to this year, I was just talking to the uh, uh, the member of parliament, Cody Blois, that uh, uh, chairs the Standing Committee on Agriculture and Agri-Food. The number for last year is actually just over $82 billion in agri-food exports wow. from Canada. So, of course, inflation is involved there and a lot of other things going on in geopolitics. Um, so that's a very long-winded way of saying we are having incredible success without really much of a plan at the Canadian level, at the provincial level. So to your question, I think just a bit more intentionality to actually start working backwards and say, Okay, we have a lot of success, but what are those areas where we do need an opportunity? And I give the the provincial government a, a great deal of credit on the uh, for the twelve percent uh, tax credit uh, because those are the sorts of programs that are going to draw people in. You people are the experts on this, uh, but those are the kinds of programs that are going to catch the attention of. Uh, national companies for uh, uh, to uh, to just give them a sense of all the good things that are going on in Alberta. It's almost like an introduction to all the other reasons that companies should be uh, having a look at uh, at Alberta and at our region. Yeah, I think there's still not like a an awareness with the general public about the impact that agriculture can have on our economy either, right? And that's really Agreed. something that can push political will to be more intentional, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it almost it's uh, like we're we're struggling a little bit because of our success, uh, uh, because uh, the industry and I, uh, you know, that's right from producers all the way through to the processing companies, the the groups that we deal with, because they have embraced innovation, because they invest in innovation. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely agree with your your premise. You know, usually political uh, uh, focus comes when either things are really bad or really good. Uh, and I think we just have to continue to make that case. I know I've written a couple of national op-eds and, and several other very, very qualified people have done the same. Just to try to say we are this food hub for the world. Um, we need to take ownership of that. And, you know, there are elements of it. But uh, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm just not sure with the intentionality that we we could have to profile this region, our province, even uh, Canada as a whole. Yeah. Cool. So, Stan, you're also on the board of Edmonton Global. Um, how do you enjoy that? <laughs> I love it. Uh, of course, uh, to have uh, the good fortune of working with great people like yourselves, uh, the, the, the team that has been assembled within Edmonton Global, um, you know, our my colleagues uh, and board members have such a wealth of experience and, and uh, sets of insights. Um, you know, we also have such a compelling case uh, for this region. So it, it makes a lot of sense the way that Edmonton Global has approached. And of course, agri-food being one of the pillars uh, of growing out the economy of the region makes such good sense, not only for uh, the the county uh, owners of uh, of Edmonton Global, but uh, certainly we've seen uh, you know increased investment in just about every jurisdiction when it comes to uh, uh, to food processing. 
it's a nice fit. I also serve on uh, uh, the board of uh, uh, a relatively new group, uh, the Results Driven Agricultural Research Corporation. This was set up by the government of Alberta a couple of years ago. Um, about $37 million a year there, which is invested in all aspects of agricultural and food innovation. Of course, I'm very careful uh, and uh, and recuse myself when our own faculty is involved in funding requests. But to be able to work with Edmonton Global uh, and try to shape the and, and maybe profile the opportunities within agri-food to make investments uh, within what is now called RDAR uh, as an independent uh, corporation that's making these uh, uh, sorts of, of investments that are actually um, uh, changing the dial on the way that uh, Alberta's agriculture and agri-food sectors work. Um, uh, it's right where I want to be. Yeah, well, we've enjoyed having you as a member of our board for sure. Like the the knowledge and the expertise you bring, especially around the agricultural sector, has been super valuable. Um, Stan, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or share with our listeners? You know, I think we've. I really appreciate your questions and and the way that we've uh, we've moved. Uh, uh, you know, through the the conversation, uh, maybe just for listeners. Uh, you know, I know this takes us a little bit outside the realm of Edmonton Global, but I would say. Because of the international activities that I do, I, I do reviewing for the European Union. I, I'm asked by a number of other groups in other parts of the world to uh, uh, to help on uh, evaluating some of the programs that they do. This is just a remarkable time for agriculture and food across the world, uh, especially for uh, colleagues and, and partners that I do work with in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, it truly is not just for for our region, but for uh, around the world. This this engine of economic growth, uh, this opportunity for people uh, that you know maybe are moving from subsistence agriculture in some parts of the world. Uh, when I see the kinds of interest that our students have, again coming from outside of traditional um, you know agri food uh, 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 cultures, families that want to be involved in this space, uh, it's just it's a very exciting time, and and I think that. Uh, our region especially just has all of the elements, all of those uh, ingredients that I spoke about earlier. Uh, now we just have to put that recipe together to to give the kind of profile that you referenced earlier uh, that uh, there's just a, a tremendous opportunity that we need to take advantage of. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. We'll make sure um, in the show notes too, we have a links to the faculty for any listeners that yes, are interested and uh, or potential students, <laughs> potential students. Exactly. I, I love that idea. Yes. Uh, they certainly should, uh, should reach out. Uh, we have great advisors that give uh, uh, all kinds of information to prospective students. Uh, uh, and we would love for individuals to have a look at the programs that we offer. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thanks to the two of you. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Economic Development Matters podcast brought to you by Edmonton Global. For more information about Edmonton Global or to get in touch, visit our website, edmontonglobal.ca. Follow us on social media on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. Thanks for listening. We hope you learned something new about why economic development matters.